1: It is mailback time, Mr. Robertson. We have a lot of mailback questions and comments here, so I want to rock and get right into these. Uh, Bailey
2: Brad with a super chat. Thank you very much, Bailey Brad. And he says, Gino Gadugly seems like a such a good hire. The more I learn, think he will kill it on the trail. I believe that as well.
1: Yep. We, uh, I'm optimistic. Obviously, any new hire, I don't care how good a guy was or at a previous stop, there's always a okay, but can he do that here? No, shit sure. to it. Right. But yes, I'm optimistic. Very optimistic. Uh, Tyler Smith. When is the Freeman versus fickle boxing match? Ooh. Very well played. I like that. <laughs> I dig that. I dig that. Taking,
2: taking his guy, man. That's his right. Guy. That's right. Love it.
1: <laughs> we have a super chat from Joe Papini. Uh Joe, thank
2: you very much. In the end, we have a quarterback coach and a good one at that who we have been clamoring for. And hopefully Gino G can be a bit of a mentor to Jared Parker for Jared Parker. Yep. I don't know about a mentor. I would say, I mean, Joe, for me, it's, it's another great resource, right? Like you have another great perspective and resource around you. Like that's kind of, because I mean, it's not like Gino called the offense for one year at Cincinnati, right? It's not like he's been doing this and, you know, for a long stretch or whatever. Jared Parker actually has more experience as a, OC than Gino he's older. does. I think he's, a he's older, older
1: than than, than Gino. Guy. He is
2: because I think Jared's what, like 42 ish somewhere in that ballpark yeah. and Gino's mm-hmm. about to turn 40. So right. he's older. So I, I wouldn't call it a mentor. I would say it's just another good set of eyes and an experienced offensive guy around you. I,
1: I it's more Batman and Robin than Batman and Alfred. You know what I'm saying? Like right. it's not the mentor type thing. It's more of a hey, you're you're you're, you're my you're my partner in this, right? Like we're, we're doing this together right and you've got good ideas i've got good ideas i think mentor to me is more of a i'm the i'm the student you're the you're the master type of thing as yeah. opposed to we're both students trying to get this thing working together to do this thing is kind of the the better way i look at it in my opinion
0: so we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Our next
1: partner is Athletic Greens. I take AG1 by Athletic Greens literally every day. I gave AGI a try because I wanted better gut health, sustained energy, immune support system, But I hate taking pills, and I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great, which is helping me kick my sugar addiction. In the morning before I get to work, I like getting something healthy in my body. And with AG1, I'm giving my body the nutrition it craves. It's very important for me to get my day started off with something healthy. But with my schedule, it's hard to prepare healthy meals. AG1 is a very quick way to pack my body with all that I need to jumpstart my day in a very healthy way. Covering my nutritional basis for the day literally couldn't be easier, which is why I trust Athletic Greens. I just mix one small scoop of AG1 with water and drink it first thing every morning. Done. I also like that it costs less than $3 a day. It's pretty good if you ask me. It's a really effective daily habit with the highest quality source ingredients. Win-win. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and... Five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash Irish. That's athleticgreens.com slash Irish. Check it out.
2: We have another super chat here from Joe Papiti. again. Thank you, Joe. So one thing I know is that the administration is hoping that Marcus Freeman has a great season and erases the stink of all this. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's no doubt about that. Because then, then the spin will be, we'll see, this is why. We didn't need Andy Love. This is why we turned it out. But it's still BS. It's still BS. It, it, it would still be spin because Notre Dame fans, the people that have been following long, they know the truth, right? Yes. You know the truth at the end of the well, day. Well, some will buy it, as sure. we found. But those people are naive and just
1: not, not really. And, and look, so part of me gets it, Ryan. You don't want to believe that your heroes or the people you look up to or you know the, the team that you love and follow is that bad, that incompetent that cheap, whatever expression you want to use. You don't want to believe that. And so I, I sadly, we, we have a bit too much of a, of a cultish type of mentality in our country now where, you know, we, I just don't want to believe that about a person. And I'm like, like, there's evidence. The guy's admitted it in a court of law. Yeah. But maybe he was doing it under pressure or it's just like, you know, I mean, there's video evidence of him. Yeah. But video evidence can be faked. It's like, okay, you're helpless. You know, you're absolutely helpless at this point in time. I understand that. I really do. But you want to believe no, Notre Dame wouldn't do something like that. You want to believe that, right? But the reality is, is they did, and and that's kind of where
2: we are. We have one last thing from Joe Papini. One more super chat from Joe Papini, Ryan. Love it, Joe. And lastly, from what I see, Marcus Freeman clearly thinks the administration, especially Paul- Paulus, doesn't trust him, so he's getting people on the staff that trust him and he can trust. agree yeah very much agree Yep, we've talked about that right i mean when you feel like there's not enough support you need to find the support in the ways that you can and i think that's what's working here this is absolutely right irish to the moon with a super chat thank you irish to the moon very much which coaches on the staff have coached in the college football playoff well gino gadouli certainly Uh has marcus freeman has wait no marcus freeman has not No, he has not no. Um, they went to the Peach
1: Bowl yes. his last year. Um I'm trying to remember when Al if if Ohio State, I believe Ohio State did during yes, Al Washington yes, was is in the Fields college football playoff. Yeah. Uh he was on that 19 team. So Al Washington has. Uh, Mike Mickens has. Yep. He was on the Notre Dame 2020 team. Um chris no, Chris Chris was like a an analyst for the Notre Dame 2020 playoff team. So um and I mean, I guess you could kind of say Chansey Stucky, but he wasn't an on field coach. So he was at Clemson, I believe, in 2018. Good no, call. no, 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 uh, 2019 and 2020. Oh, so he wasn't. Yeah. He was a graduate assistant in 19. He was a GA in 19. And then he was an offensive player development guy in 2020. So he was there on the staff right. those two playoff years, but he wasn't like an on field coach because his first year as an on field coach was at Baylor. So, uh, but yeah, 19 and 20. He was on there. So you've got, uh, and then Dylan McCullough wasn't in a college football playoff, but he was in the Super Bowl. He is a Super Bowl champion. So,
2: so was Al Golden was in a Super Bowl too that's right. recently. So, that's right. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, you've had a lot of coaches that have been in those type of situations. So, yeah,
2: good question. We have a super
1: stick from Driscoll's Intel poker face. That still gets me. I don't know if he's being complimentary insulting, but it's funny either way. So, I, I dig it. David Flores with a super chat.
2: Thank you, David, very much. Given Jared's experience as an offensive coordinator, would it make sense to make the O line coach the run game coordinator? Oh, I mean that's fine. I mean if they want to do that, they can. I mean look, I I am
1: I'm all for those titles being helpful because they help you get pay raises. But ultimately, whether the it's kind of like when I say like a quarterback doesn't have to be a captain, Ryan. He's still the captain it's the same thing here. The offensive line coach, if he's worth his grain of salt, is going to have a very big say in the run game, no matter what, whether he's got run game coordinator tag or not. So you need to make sure you get a guy that's very good at that, not just someone because like ideally you want a run game, you want an offensive line coach who doesn't just know how to coach technique. He understands run scheme and blocking schemes and how to attack defenses and things like that. And there are some line coaches, Ryan, who aren't necessarily great at that. They just know how to teach, hey, you tell me what we're block, how we're blocking it, and I'll teach them how to block. Right. You know, and and you'd ideally
2: like a guy that that does get that a little bit more on a deeper level. In my opinion. And I think whether it's a new offensive line coach or it's Dylan McCullough as the running back coach or it's a combination, I do think that, again, that's another good perspective to the running game, right? Because at the end of the day, you have Gino now in the building, Coach Kadoogly, who I think is going to help, obviously, Jared with the passing game more than anything, right? The ability to work that area. But if you also have just some guys, the running back coach, offensive line coach, or a combination of two that are able to give you another perspective on the run game. I think that's obviously beneficial, and Chanty Stucky obviously in the passing game too with Gino.
1: Yep, And we got it. We have more super chats. We appreciate those very, very much, guys. We got
2: one from yeah. Charlie Weiss's last belt loop. What's, What's up, Charlie? Congratulations again on the marriage. IB is the no spin zone. Do you see any potential recruits excited about Parker as OC? Are the donors going to hold them to the fire still, or believe uh, Jack Swarbrick? So it, it'll
1: be just like. What's going on here in this chat? Some will believe it, some won't. I mean, that's just simple as that. So, and we'll see what happens next time. I'll tell you this if 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 they want to truly recover from this, the way to do it is simple. Let Marcus Freeman know, hey, whatever you need to do to fill out your staff the rest of the way, you do. If you need us to buy out someone on your current staff, we're gonna do it. If you need us to go buy out somebody else, like we need to say face and we need to let everybody know we support you. Because if they really do support him. Then that's what they need to do. Yep. Will they do it? I don't know. That's a good question. But they need to let him know, hey, whatever you need, we got you because we need to we need to make this right. Even and this is true, even if the 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 spin angle that we're getting was true, even if that was true, it still needs to happen because you have now put forth the the image that you don't really support your football coach, and and you're not really good at your jobs in this regard you're, you're just not so they need to they they need to fix it. and the way to fix it is by actions not words you can spin it all you want i don't care about that i care i want to see that you've changed i want to see that you're doing something different cuz if if we're wrong then then it should manifest itself in the remaining hires as well right ryan it should man- manifest itself in the areas um you know hey you need to go out and get a rent because th- we've seen this before We've yep. seen them not be willing to pay top dollar and to pay buyouts to bring coaches in for much smaller than two point eight. So you can't say what it was an, a, a, an exceptional amount of money. Okay, fine. What about last year? I know for a fact there were times where Marcus Freeman went to the staff and said and went to um the administration said, Hey, I can I get this for this coach? And they were like, No, nah, that's too much. Okay. Well, how's this any different? Yeah. But I'm supposed to believe? No, 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 no. You actually did go back, and and say you want to pay it. No, no, you didn't. Seems 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 practical. Seems realistic. Right. Yeah. Right. <sighs>
2: Brandon Foster with a super chat. Thank you, Brandon. Is any of your sources mentioning any candidates for the offensive line coach position? I mean, no, I mean
1: it's gonna be like the OC thing. You're gonna hear some names come out. I you know, I know Chris yeah. Watt's gonna get a look. I do believe he's gonna get a look. I don't I don't think he's the the odds on favorite that I think some people are, are are have said he is. At least I've been told people are saying that I don't know if they are or aren't. I don't read other people's stuff, but I was told that. And and so I do think he's an option for the job. I don't know that he is the leading candidate. Right. My whole thing is is find the guy that has the best chance to coach this line at a high level. It may be Chris Watt. I, I think what I would encourage people to do is don't assume because he doesn't have experience that he's not the right man for the job. Right. But just like I would, I would say just because he's a Harry Heastan disciple doesn't mean he's the right man for the job either.
2: And right. Just like, he's a Notre Dame grad. Right. And, right.
1: right. Yeah. Like what I, what I can say for certain, here's what I can say for certain, Ryan, that Marcus Freeman very much understands the importance of this hire. And if he, if he bring, if he hires chris watt right or wrong it's cuz he truly believes chris watt can coach this unit at a very high level that's what that means yep. will he be right i don't know i don't know we'll see we'll find out it's not a guarantee that if he goes out and hires a big name it's going to work remember when rick, rich uh rick trickett went to florida state and everybody's like all fired up Look at Cooper the job tripping. he did at West Virginia and he did this and he did that. And he was terrible at West Virginia. Just was a bad fit, right? Yeah. And, and that happens sometimes, you know? I mean, you're you're going to have some times where a coach is a really good coach somewhere and then he goes somewhere else and it just doesn't work, you know? And it happens, right? It happens. And now he's coaching at Jacksonville State after spending three years at Glenville State. You know what I mean? Is that where Trickett L-
2: is now? Yeah. That's he just, went from was, LSU uh, to
1: West Virginia with Rich Rod to Florida State. And then after he got fired at Florida State, he went to three, He was the uh, his assistant head coach, run game coordinator, and O-line coach at Glenville State, which is a D2 t- t- school in West Virginia for three years. And then in 2021, he was hired as the offensive line coach at Jacksonville State. Interesting. So, Well, at yeah. least
2: Jacksonville State's going FBS this year, so there's That's that.
1: Right. <laughs> right. And he played at Glenville State. Right. So that's, that's the, that's the, that's the tie in there is, is that, and of course he's Glenville States a, a, in West Virginia and he is, you know, coach played at, you know, played at Glenville state coach at West Virginia for a number of years. So the point is, is there's no guarantees. There's no right. guarantees, but you need to find the guy that you truly believe is the best of the best that can get this unit going. And I have to believe that there's going to be a lot of really good
2: coaches that want to work with this group. I have to believe that. I, I so. would be very surprised if there wasn't a, a decent amount of suitors that would be very interested in the position, if nothing else.
1: Yeah.
2: I'd be surprised,
1: man. Yep. Very surprised. Yep, absolutely. All right, Ryan, we got one more super chat, and then we're going to get back to the top here. So this one's from Paul. Thank
2: you, Paul. It says, still working my way through the Kubler-Ross again, but I've recovered enough to peek in and send my support. Keep up the great work, IB fam. Thank you very much, Paul. We appreciate that very, very much.
1: So we're back up here, Ryan, and we have a – oh, did we get this one from Joe
2: Papiti? I think we missed – I think I missed this one. I'm sorry, Joe. Yes, we missed this one. All I'm going to say is this. Wow. Having gone to the boards, which everyone should subscribe to, that's boards.irishbreak.com. Thank Thank you for the plug there, Joe. Appreciate you. Without giving too much away, Palace needs to go. Go IB Nation. Go Irish. It's us against them.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt. There's no doubt at all. All right, Vegas Fan F Fan uh with a super chat here. This is an, this is more of a comment. Yep. Uh, but but also asking us to comment on his comment. So His comment is,
2: mind. imagine being in a relationship where you don't respect or trust your partner. I feel like that's the situation Coach Marcus Freeman is in. Agree or disagree? So the reason I'm going to say I agree, Ryan, is because it's not just about this situation.
1: I don't think... He, here's a couple of things I want to dispel. I have hammered Jack Swarbrick for days. And it's not the first time I've done it. But, you know, look, I, there's things I praise Jack Swarbrick for and things I'll criticize him for. But here's the thing. One thing we all have to get out of our minds is this notion that Jack Swarbrick didn't want Marcus Freeman. I've had people bring that up, Ryan. And, and you're, you're taking... This negligence and turning and building it into something that it's not, don't lose. Like, keep your eye on the ball, right? Jack Swarbrick, and because ultimately he's responsible for all the people involved in. Like, if Ron Paulus screws up, right? Jack Swarbrick's responsible for that because you're the guy that gave Ron Paulus as much authority as Ron Paulus has, even though he has zero qualifications for the job that he has right now, other than being a Notre Dame grad and playing at Notre Dame. That's the only qualifications he has for the job that he has right now, okay? Besides that, Let's not turn this into something to where now we're speaking on truths and now we're turning into conspiracy theorists and all these other kind of things because that's when you're going to lose credibility. This notion that people have said Jack never wanted Marcus, he only hired Marcus because the fans and players wanted him. Y'all, you can in one breath say Jack doesn't care about the, the, the fans, that's why he rejected this hire, but then say he's going to reject Andy Ludwig but hire Marcus Freeman because of fan pressure and player pressure, but then not do the same with Andy Ludwig. Like that completely contradicts what happened here. I have told you from the beginning, from the moment that, that Brian Kelly left right after Thanksgiving 2021, that Marcus Freeman was going to be someone that, that was going to get a legitimate look at this job. Why? Because everything that I had heard for the previous year was that Jack had a great deal of respect for Marcus Freeman. Great deal of respect. And we also heard and I reported while well, you know, because here's the thing about like listening to the national media. Remember all the ESPN people and and Dennis Dodd, and all those people saying Luke Fickle was the Fickle. I'm telling yeah. you, Luke Fickle. Now, did Luke Fickle interview? Yes, he knew for the job. Did Luke Fickle turn it down? No because what i was told from the jump is that marcus was the guy that jack wanted the only thing that was going to stop that is a bad interview from marcus and because that's the thing too is you may want a guy to 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 work out ryan i've, I've done this i've interviewed people for jobs man i hope this works out because i love this guy then you do an interview you're like yeah it's just not gonna work out that's not the right fit right and and so but he nailed the interviews which is why he got the job luke fickle left a year later to go to Wisconsin, you you really don't think he was going to come to Notre Dame? Come on, let's use some common sense, okay? Jack Swarbrick would have waited for Luke Fickle if he needed to coach the playoff. He flat out would have waited for that. I promise you that. Marcus Freeman was hired for one reason and one reason only, and that's because Jack Swarbrick thought he was the best man for the job. Simple as that. Now, does that mean he's given Marcus Freeman all the support he needs? Heck no. Because the reason I agree with this is not because i don't think that jack swarbrick doesn't respect marcus freeman or or like marcus freeman it's that i think number 1 jack has put people in positions of power that should not be in positions of power and his underlings pretty much stink at their jobs in some areas number 1 number 2 Jack is not around enough in my opinion to know all the ins and outs of what's not going right at Notre Dame and some of the things that needed to be addressed. Number three, I think they they just they dropped the ball. They dropped the ball here. They screwed yep. up, right? And so it, there is a level of, of trust issues here with Marcus Freeman if I'm him because yes, you wanted me to be the job to have the job, but then you went and did what you did with Tommy Reese. And and hired him first, and then announced to the world that that you know, and, and let sources leak out about how if, if Tommy doesn't get hired, now I don't think Jack is the one to put those out because I don't believe that to be true. I don't believe that if Tommy Reese said I'm going to LSU that Marcus Freeman doesn't get hired at Notre Dame. That makes no sense, yeah. no sense, right? And and if that's true now, are you going to fire Marcus Freeman now that that Tommy left to go to Alabama? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. But it it was allowed to get out. And you didn't do anything about it, right? And, 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 and the way that he hired Tommy and announced the hiring of Tommy, because that's his guy, loves Tommy, Tommy this, Tommy that, right? I, I get all that. You then undercut your coach, and Marcus Freeman knows it. Whether it's intentional or not, that's what you did. That's the result of your actions. So, yes, there is a level of trust in, in here. You're not doing the things you say you want to do to support us. You're not allowing me to get rid of people that I need to get rid of because they're your guys. So you're not giving me the control that you said you're going to give me. Right. And so, yeah, there's a level of lack of trust. But we need to zero in on what those areas are and not create this conspiracy series theory stuff of like, well, he never wanted Coach Freeman in the first place and all that kind of stuff. It's just not true. Let's yeah. keep our eye on the ball and not get distracted by the shiny objects over here that sound good, but they're just not true. Right. Let's focus on the things that we do know are true, like how they botched the Andy Ludwig hire. And they can spin it all; they they can put as much
2: lipstick on that pig as they want, Ryan. It's still a pig. Right. Well, I, and I think, Brian, I think that there's a look if if the rumors that Notre Dame was going to match whatever offer Tommy Reese got, right? But then you come back and do the Andy Ludwig situation. I think that's more of a testament that you are willing to do, if, do make things happen for your guys, right? Because you just mentioned Tommy Reese was their guy, right? At the end of the day. So mm-hmm. I think that the separation here, and I think that you hit on it pretty perfectly, is that respect and trust are different things, right? It has nothing to do with a lack of respect. It's a trust factor, though. If I, if I'm Marcus Freeman, and honestly, folks, this is how I would feel if I was Marcus Freeman. I would not trust right now. I mean, like there would be a lack of trust for me. Does that mean that I think that Jack Swarbrick doesn't like me or something like that? No, No. that's not what that means, but there definitely is a lack of trust in my opinion. There is.
1: Sure. My hope is that Marcus Freeman uses this as an opportunity to say, I'm, I'm I'm just not worried about what they think about me anymore. Yeah. If they don't want me here, then they don't want me here. I'm going to do this my way in every single way possible. I don't know if he's doing that right now, to be honest with you. I think in some ways there's still areas where Marcus Freeman still feels that he has to kind of <sighs> cater to what makes Ron Paulus and Jack Sorber happy. And in reality, I just, I don't want him to care about that anymore. I don't, I don't, I want to see him go out and say, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to hire who I want to hire. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to run this program alone, run this program. And if you don't want me to run the program this way, then find somebody else to run the program. Cause I promise you, I promise you, uh, Ryan, that 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 if Marcus Freeman leaves at any point in time, he's going to be coveted. There's no doubt about yeah. it. So yeah. do what you got to do, right? Do what you got to do. And trust in yourself enough to say, this is going to work and we're going to win this way. And then there's nothing they'll be able to do about it. So it's going to be interesting how it plays out.
2: I, I made a mistake to look in the chat at yeah, someone that just stop. doesn't, yeah. that doesn't he, like us but is still he, listening to the show.
1: not even giving those people oxygen, Ryan.
2: Let's move on to the next one. PB12 for Heisman. Can you compare and contrast this hire, assuming it's a co-offensive coordinator or quasi-co-offensive coordinator with Geno, to Clemson hiring Jeff Scott, Tony Elliott, as co-OC for Clemson in 2015?
1: No, I don't think it'll be like that. That was a genuine co-coordinator situation. I don't think this will be quite that. I think this is just how good staffs are supposed to work. You hire as many competent, qualified people as possible. And then you, you build a, you build a structure in which they work well together. I mean, I think sometimes we get too wrapped up into the co coordinator stuff. Uh, There's always at the end of the day, there's always going to be one guy calling place and one guy that's the decision maker. A lot of the other stuff is just titles to kind of understand who's doing what, right. That's the reality of it. And Sometimes it is a true co-coordinator situation. And then in the instance of Clemson, it was. It was a true co-coordinator situation. But in this instance, I think it's going to be the offensive coordinator and then maybe a pass game coordinator, a run game coordinator, which is some of the times the things that you need to do to get to get the guy the money he needs to, to, to hire a guy, right? And sometimes if a guy doesn't have that title right, he still has the same responsibilities. Re- For sure. Responsibilities don't change, and that's basically where – you're gonna be so. The I, next I, I, really, oh, I wish I wish I could
2: have just like sat in the booth and just listened to Tony and Jeff kind of like go back and forth. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it would have been an interesting dynamic to watch because I can't yeah. get a little. Yeah, I, don't, I,
1: I was. I would,
2: I, yeah, I was always
1: told they got along well. Yeah. So whether well, I mean who knows, but yeah, I was always but because I think again you Dabo was ultimately the guy that was going to make sure that everybody's on the same page. And that's something Dabo has sure. been pretty good about is keeping the staff like, Hey, we're all working towards one goal. Right. right. And you know, I, I think that's one of the, that's one of the, the greatest strengths of Dabo is that, that part right Me, there.
2: You mean Dabo, another coach that not everybody was pumped up about when he first took yeah. the job at Clemson and yeah. okay. Who had
1: Clemson, never okay. been a coordinator before, <laughs> much less a head coach. Yeah.
2: That guy. Yeah. Yep. Yep. John a one with a question. Here we go, John. So John, do you believe Marcus Freeman will be more comfortable with who's leading the offensive side of the ball to be more attentive and demanding on the defensive side of the ball? I doubt it.
1: I mean, I think Marcus Freeman genuinely desires to be the head coach of the entire team. If anything, I think that you're going to see Marcus Freeman even have I'll say paying more attention to the offense now at times, you know, because there is someone that he the the the, the Trying to think of how to say this without making it seem like a shot at Tom Reese because that's not at all how I mean it. But like the way that everything went down that we talked about, yeah, it, it created a, a weird, very weird dynamic. And I think that that's kind of that's kind of gone now, right? I mean, I, I don't think that has to you don't have to worry about that as much anymore. The awkwardness of that dynamic to where okay, I don't want to make it seem like I'm stepping on this guy's toes because I know who loves this guy and all that. It, it not that him and Tommy didn't work well together. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it created a very weird dynamic unnecessarily. That's not the issue anymore. That's not the issue anymore. All right, let's get to the next question from Anthony
2: Solomon. Anthony says, what are the offensive recruits saying about the two hires? Uh, Anthony, so I've talked to a couple players specifically in the 2024 class. And I mean, I'll use Cam Williams for, as an example, because he was completely fine with me kind of putting his comments out there. Right. So he was very excited about the proposition of having both guys, right. Cause like they have a relationship with Jared Parker. We talked about that yesterday a little bit, right. 2024 guys know who Jared is. I mean, I'm sure Jack Lars. I haven't got, gotten a chance to talk with Jack too much yet, but I'm sure. Jack is very pumped about coach Parker being the, the head man now on the offensive side of the football, but Basically what Cam was saying was that he was – you know, that he's, he's happy and he thinks it's all going to work out because not only are you getting Jared Parker, who they're familiar with, but Gino Gadoodli is a guy that they – that a couple of those cats really respect because he recruited them while he was at Cincinnati. And, I mean, again, his words were like something to the effect, like that's my guy, you know, like I, I love Coach, Coach Gino type of thing. So I think that the fact that you have both of those guys, they have a relationship from in the building – with Jared Parker on visits, and also a guy that comes from a different background, a different perspective, I think it's I think it's good. It's being well. I think it is being well received so far. So we'll update, guys. You know, as far as you know, a little bit of a deeper understanding at boards dot com. But the early returns are that I think everybody's comfortable, and I think everyone's pretty pretty happy with what's happening right now. Yep. Let's get to the next one here from Travis Patterson. Thank you, Travis. Question is new to coaching search, how do you replace Coach Eastant?
1: You find the best possible candidate you can. I mean, that's yes. the reality to it. You find the best possible candidate you can that fits in with what you're trying to do offensively. You know, I mean, and that's the key. There, there you don't just say, Well, hey, this is the best offensive line coach in the market. Let's bring him in. Well, that guy doesn't teach your coach the things that we are going to ask our offensive lineman to teach or coach. So he may not be the best fit. So it's 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 the best coach that you can find that fits what you're trying to do. It's as simple as that do that yeah. and you're, you're gonna be fine because again the the offensive line coach replacing He stand has a completely different task than Harry He had Harry He stand had to start over from scratch and build that group from the ground up he has already kind of rebuilt that the cultures changed the, the the attitude has changed all that's changed now your job is to take a group that has been schooled by Harry stand and keep building on it you're right. not re, you're not rebuilding it like coach he had to do so it's a little bit of a different dynamic but you don't replace a Harry Heestand from the standpoint of you're not going to find someone who's just like Harry Heestand you're going right. to do something where you're just like look we're going to get the guy that that that, that is going to allow us to have a staff that is going to give put us in a position to put a great offense on the field next year simple as that and that's what you're looking to do
2: yeah
1: all right this is from coach
2: bent 574 are there any poten- any potential changes to offensive recruiting strategy i.e. physical tools or measurables possibly I mean you're always going to have some change right when
1: you have new coaches even if you're running the same system they may like different things it's too early I would say Ryan to, to really know what that's going to be especially yeah. since we don't know who the old line every uh, offensive line coaches especially have kind of their little quirks of what they look for you know I think those are the different things that, that I want to see when you yeah. look at kind of what they want so I would say let me let me see who the, what the, the makeup of the staff is first that's what
2: I would say. Then we'll get into okay. Here's what that coach is looking for. I think those are the things we'll have more to do with it. Yeah, I, I think it'll stay relatively the same. I mean, offensive line wise, I think as long as your principles are still the same, you'll be looking for similar things. You know, at that point, so I think that'll stay similar. I'm, I'm interested to see what quarterback recruiting looks like because again, they already have their guy for 2023 and 2024, obviously, but now that you're right. working to 2025 does Gino like a specific type a little bit more? Does Jared like a specific type a little bit more? Like I think those things are things that I'm interested in personally. Right. And, and and honestly with the way with
1: the offense that Gino was a part of, I mean, again, when you're the quarterbacks coach, you're recruiting to kind of fit the offense that, that you're a part of. Right. And so, you know, uh, happy birthday. Bye. So my wife's leaving for her birthday massage with her mom. So, um, so yeah, so she's being spoiled and pampered today. So um when when I, I, I think that system fits kind of what they do pretty well, Ryan. If I'm if I'm gonna be honest, I think the things that Notre Dame did offensively are similar to kind of the things that that um that Notre Dame that Cincinnati did from a you know, I mean there's there's just there's a lot of carryover, I guess is what I'm trying to get at, right? Mm-hmm and so i think those things will, will fit in pretty well i'm trying to go back and look through and see if i can find do they like not offer any quarterbacks in 2022 because i'm trying to find it here and see Yeah, it looks like there's it's a strange I'm trying to see like who they offered at quarterback in different years under Geno, and see oh, if like it Cincinnati, gives me, you mean? yeah yeah and see if a um but apparently like they're not listing quarterbacks on any of these years as if like they didn't like offer any quarterbacks. (laughs) So it's kind of strange, but uh,
2: it's a wise move, not offering any quarterbacks in the cycle. Yeah. Oh, here we go.
1: It's down at the bottom. All right. Uh, So I'm just kind of looking at some of the quarterbacks that they, they offered. So like, and so it's at the bottom. That's weird. It's underneath everything else. So let me go down here and see who they offered in 2022 they offered Sam Horn, Taven Jackson, Brady Allen, AJ Duffy, Cameron Edge, Holden Garner, Braden Davis, Luther Richardson. And then they offered some, some, some dual threat guys, Jakuri Brown, Nick Ever. So very different type of quarterbacks, but you know, shotgun guys is kind of what they're looking for. Uh let's see who they offered in 2020. I want to see, I want to see if they offered Drew Pine. That's what I'm curious to see. If they offered Drew Pine in 2020. <laughs> Uh, let's see here. Pro style quarterbacks. They offered uh, Mike Wright, Bo Allen, uh, Mason Garcia, Michael Alemo, Ken Seals, Evan Simon, Tucker Gleason, Caleb Holstein, Evan Prater, Jeffrey Sims, Garrett Green, Gregory Span, Kellen Brown, Demetric Crenshaw, Dustin Fletcher, Will Howard from Kansas State. Nice. So you know, pretty deep offers, but you know, shotgun guys. But some guys that are more pro style. Some guys that are more dual threat. But
2: uh, that is very mixed type of quarterback that they're targeting it is yeah here we got some from patrick earwood thank you patrick since jared parker is a new offense coordinator how important is the navy and tennessee state's game now oh it's huge i mean it's even bigger than it was
1: in my opinion ryan if tom reese would have stayed simply because of just the optics I mean, like with Tom Maurice, is kind of like, hey, look, I don't really care what you do. You're just trying to get ready to when you go down to NC State, you got to be ready to go. And you've got a couple games to work out all the kinks. It's almost I mean, the the, the pressure is going to be right now. It's not practical to beating NC State and Ohio State, but the pressure externally is going to be such that the expectations are you got to go out there and just rip those two teams apart. And 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 not just get ready for NC State, but you got to look good getting ready for NC State. That's a lot of pressure to have on the first two games of the season, in my opinion. Especially when you've got a new quarter, a quarterback working with new guys and new systems and all that kind of stuff. But they got to get it rolling pretty quickly because you you better be ready to go by week three. Because a lot of people are going to focus on week five against Ohio State. And my whole thing is, if this offensive staff isn't ready to go, we're going to know by week three. When they play, in, when they travel down to Raleigh to play NC State, because Tony Gibson's a good defensive coordinator, yes, right, and he's done a really nice job at, at NC State. So they're going to have to be on top of their game by week three. They still, a they still of have pressure. a couple
2: dudes coming back to yeah. Peyton Wilson, Shaheen Battle. They still have a couple dudes on defense yep. too, and that does put a lot of pressure on them in the first two games, Patrick. So I, I very fair question. Very fair question. And I'm hoping to get down to Raleigh for, for the NC State game, by the way. So I would yeah, like to see a good result. I will be there. I will be there. Indy Estimate Trucking LLC. Brian, was Freeman allowed able to make the hires he wanted last season just to give Reese the best chance to look good and build the resume? Nod twice and blink <laughs> three times if you cannot confirm. <sighs> Was
1: he allowed to so so Marcus Freeman is a believer in I want my coordinators to have a big say in who we're going to bring in, which is honestly how a head coach should be. Now, ultimately, as the head coach, you've got to make sure that you're bringing a staff that you're comfortable with as well. I will say this. Marcus Freeman did not allow Tommy Reese to recommend anyone that he wasn't comfortable with. So Chancey Stucky, he was comfortable with Dylan McCullough, uh, Harry Heastan, he was comfortable with Jared Parker was Marcus Freeman's hire. And Tom Reese didn't want that hire. Uh, not that he didn't want that hire, but he wasn't given the option to to want that hire or not. It was just that was Marcus's hire. And, you know, talking to people, I was told that Marcus and or that Tommy and Jared had a good relationship. So there wasn't like any like ill will where he took it out on him. But but I think he was frustrated that I didn't have a chance to, to have a say in this hire. So Marcus was bringing Jared Parker in no matter what. And the head coach always has to have that authority. But I do know that at least in one instance last year that Marcus targeted, Coach Freeman targeted a coach that he wanted to fill an assistant coach position and was not given the okay financially to make that move. So, again, that's why this isn't a oh, – this is why the spin thing doesn't mean a whole lot to me because I know this has happened in the past. I know it has happened in the past. And we're not talking about with anything close to what Andy Loder was talking about. So, I uh, – yeah but that's but that's always going to be part of it right there's always going to be you 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 there has to be some limits right you can't go out there and say hey I want to pay my online coach 2 million dollars my receivers coach 2 million dollars I'll pay my quarterbacks hold on a second we do have a budget we're working with here right and and that's the thing is like but sometimes when something comes along and you've got a hire that you need to make then yes your budget is what it is but if we're talking about buyout money and a couple hundred thousand dollars a year then then you go to your donors and your boosters and say Give me two days to see if I can make this work. And then you get the money, right? That's what teams do. Um, So I, I, and and I think sometimes too, is is the administration has to have some ability to say, hey, we're not bringing that guy on because you may be comfortable with him as a football coach, but we're not comfortable with A, B, C, and D from his background because we're going to be the ones that have to deal with that backlash, right? And so I think there's always, you always have to have, I mean, because they're still the bosses, you know? And so- there's always going to be some of that. I mean, no coach gets absolute carte blanche. We'll bring in whoever we want. I mean, there there would be limits to what Nick Saban could bring in. I mean, not many, but there's there's some things where Nick Saban might be able to go and say, no, we're not doing that, man. Like, yeah, we're not, that's not happening. I can't think of anything, but I'm sure there is, you know, even in a place like Alabama. So yeah. there's always gonna be some of that. So and did no, you nod John,
2: twice or blink three times? Or, I, I tried not to do either one because <laughs> I didn't I didn't want
1: to so we got we got a two parter from uh, John Long. This is remember the super chat John gave yesterday that we didn't quite understand what he was saying. Oh yeah.
2: Yeah. So he yep. did
1: he was able to follow up today. So I didn't want to get to that, Ryan. So, sure.
2: Carry over ahead. from yesterday's super chat. Last season in is in some tough times. We heard some rumblings of this isn't how we used to do it, suggesting Brian Kelly's methods were better, more proven. No bag continued. Did this phrase come from the Notre Dame coaches or players? It was more so from, from some players
1: and it wasn't directly like, it, yes, it was more so from players and from veteran players and parents is where it came from. And you can't have that. I mean, that's the thing is John, you can't have that. I don't, I don't believe it came from, I don't, I'd never heard it coming from any coaches. That doesn't mean it didn't, but I never heard it. It was never relayed to me that coaches were, uh, kind of well this is how Brian Kelly did it there there's always going to be some well this is how I want to do it and I know you're the head coach but I want to do it my way sure there's there's some of that and then as the head coach you got to make sure that that doesn't happen anymore but it it was more the player standpoint and that can happen when you have a transition and when things don't go well well you know this didn't happen in the past because we did it this way and so I think there was some of that last year yeah John yep and we got a question from
2: John Leahy. thank you John do the running backs in the O line fit a scheme the best, and is what and is that what Parker wants to run? Sorry, can't read.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that what Parker wants to run, John, run game wise, is going to be very similar to what they've already done: inside zone, outside zone, counter duo. So they've they've already got guys for that. the The lineman they recruited in twenty twenty two fit that. The lineman they recruited and signed in twenty twenty three fit that. Uh, so so I I think Peter Jones, who they hot ha- who they have in the twenty four class, fits that. Yeah. Um, so I I think the, that's one of the positives, honestly, John, is there's not going to be a huge dramatic scheme shift that all of a sudden you don't have the players to execute. I think that's going to be one of – that's one of the positives that we do know about Jared Parker being promoted. There's a lot we don't know, but one of the positives we do know, Ryan, is there's definitely a – there's definitely a carryover of, okay, there's going to be a lot of personnel is going to be similar – fits the players terminology is going to be the same a lot of that stuff is going to can be just a smooth continuation which is which is a positive in my
2: opinion well, well i i think also i mean you mentioned the one core competency that parker believes in is that he wants to build from the inside out you know mm-hmm. from a running game structure right well from a offensive structure perspective and i think that i mean based upon what notre Dame just signed in the 2023 recruiting class for instance that offensive line you got five nasty football players at offensive line right you have Blake Fisher who's a 330 pound nasty dude I think that that's one thing that Notre Dame has built their tradition on is that they are a nasty group up front when they are at their best and I think that that's not going to change under coach Parker all
1: right let's get to the next one here from we actually had a super jet down here from Alejandro
2: Cornell thank you Alejandro so Alejandro if Parker was named OC before Harry Heastam retired do you think he waits another year to retire? Uh, no. I
1: think Harry Easton, yeah. it didn't matter who they hired as offensive coordinator, Ryan. It didn't matter.
2: It was, it was a Tommy Reese thing. It wasn't yeah. a not liking Jared Parker or not liking yep. you know, whoever other candidates you're looking at. right? It had nothing to do with Andy yep. Ludwig or anybody. It was just Tommy yep. Reese left. That was the big reason um, that Harry was there. Yep. yep.
1: Absolutely. All right, let's get to some more questions here. We have one from
2: Stonador. Stonador, mailbag, if you have it, since we're having a quarterback coach now and with Parker's promotion, I assume we will no longer have a tight end coach. Any chance this hurts with the position moving forward? No, he's Jared Parker's going to coach tight
1: ends. Coordinators also coach positions in college. Yes. In the NFL, you'd have that issue but that's not an issue in college
2: it's it's not separating right. usually all i mean offensive coordinators coach other positions right? right i mean chip long was a tight ends coach tommy reese was right. a quarterback coach etc all right all right i want some jordan Z-
1: Zgrabic. i hope i'm saying that right I'm, I'm not sure if i if i am all right here we go i guess i'll read this one Ryan. this will be more for you i think ryan might have froze again does this hire potentially put a lot of offensive recruiting in a holding pattern, so to speak? Uh, will kids want to see how the offense unfolds on the field first and slow some momentum? I don't think so. I, I think it's going to be, you know, you're going to have to sell your vision for what they're trying to do. And I think the only, the only holding pattern is simply going to be, is just making sure that everybody once the staff is together, that everybody's on the same page. Like I think, you know, offensive line recruiting, I don't think it's going to necessarily have to go on hold because of the fact that you need to reevaluate guys, you're, you're going to have a similar off the same offense. So, you know, if you like Caleb Brewer, you keep recruiting Caleb Brewer. If you like your Lambert, the on hold comes simply from, you don't have an offensive line coach right now. That's where the on hold comes from it, receiver. I mean, that's not going to change running back. You've, you've got your guy tight end. You've got your guy uh, quarterback. You've got your guy in the class. So I don't think it puts anything on hold. It just, you're going to keep plugging away. And now you've just got to sort of reconvince some guys of what your vision is. That's really what it's going to come down to. But it's not a holding pattern, Jordan, per se. It's just more of a, okay, you, you're you going to have to overcome some obstacles and and get on track. And there's plenty of time to do that. There's there's plenty of time to do that.
2: Sorry, StreamYard told me that my connection was unstable. My apologies. It's all good. Yeah. And we have one from Garland Dixie. Here we go. Says, did Jared Parker have any voice in any of the offense last year? Is he a field guy or booth guy? If these haven't been answered yet.
1: I imagine it's going to be a, a, he's going to be a field guy. Now that you've got a quarterback's coach, your quarterback's coach is going to most likely be up on the booth. I would imagine Jared Parker will be down on the field would be most likely my,
2: my thought on that one. So and we have Irish in Ohio. Do you guys think Marcus Freeman brings in an offensive analyst as well? I hope. I mean I, I think so. The yeah. more support the better if yeah. you can make it
1: work, in my Absolutely. opinion. Absolutely. Absolutely. A beef eater, uh, with, a, with a
2: super chat or with a question here. We'll go with this one. Brian Ryan, how would you characterize the coaching talent gap between Parker and Ludwig beyond the experience difference? I mean, it's I, it's I can't answer that. I have no well, idea. Once, a, once, a, I mean, beef eater. Like, we just don't have enough. I don't have any data on Jared Parker. I mean, the, the thing that made Andy Lugwood so attractive was that tangibly, I could look at what he did as an offensive coordinator for years at multiple spots and say that's probably a very easy transition. I don't know what to expect from Jared Parker, and I've been fully, you know, transparent with that. I don't know what to expect for Jared Parker. Could it be good? Yes, I believe so could it be underwhelming? It's possible. I, I don't know the answer to that. Andy Ludwig, I think that structurally speaking, based upon what we know from pa- coach Parker so far, I think that they believe in similar things offensively from a structure perspective. I do believe that, but I know, I know a hundred percent. Well, not hundred percent. I know what to expect though from Andy Ludwig. I know what he likes. I've seen it on film plenty of times. I don't know what coach Parker likes. I mean, we're, we're talking to sources to figure out what structurally he believes in offensively. We haven't seen that, right? So mm. I, I just don't think I can answer that question appropriately, unfortunately. Not yet.
1: Yep. Yeah, I agree. Joe Medina with a uh, – here we go. Brian, do you think uh, any answer will be hired by Ger- Jared? Um, yes, we talked about that one. You know what's going to be funny is Joe got his name right, but we have seen his name spelled about four different times in this G- chat. Gerard, and Gerald. And had people <laughs> that couldn't spell Reese correctly. This is going to be interesting to see how many times oh. – uh well, jared's name gets uh well how about uh how about gino gaduli as well oh so. yeah <laughs> i think people are more per, per concerned with how to pronounce his last name
2: yeah. um yes
1: uh yeah yeah
2: and, and I, I honestly wouldn't know how to spell his name unless i looked it up right now yeah. to be honest so yeah <laughs> i don't i don't think i'm weaker, so. <laughs> we we get this we get this question a lot from john mayernich Not knocking Reese, just legitimately curious. Why did do people think Reese is an offensive genius? I ask this because all the evidence suggests otherwise. Yeah, um,
1: look, we we can continue to have this battle. As an offensive coordinator, Reese did things that a lot of people were impressed by, including us at times with some of the concepts he ran and, and the timing of his play calls at times. Look. I know that Notre Dame fans feel a certain way about Tommy Reese. I get that, but the fact of the matter is, NFL teams called him and liked him, yeah. and and wanted him. Nick Saban wanted him. Maybe and, for and, just and a it, second, you might want to
2: think that maybe they know something that 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 you don't, right? And, and at some point, Brian, not to cut you off, but if if one person's calling, that could just be one opinion. Right. But if there's a lot of people calling, then. There's probably something to that, you know yeah. probably like I've,
1: I know him and Sean McVeigh have talked in the past about doing something together at some point in time and 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 the timing was never right. and look, I think tommy Reese was was a, was not a perfect offense coordinator by any stretch I mean, we've talked about that he was young. he made mistakes. there's things he needed to be better at how he interacts with players, how he interacts with coaches. you know certain things he does from a game playing standpoint, but there there was a lot to like as well. I think the bigger issue for me with Tom Reese, as I've said before, is the quarterback coaching part is 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 more of a question mark for me than the coordinating part, in my opinion. And, you know, I do – yeah. I mean, I, I, I there's nothing I'm going to say. I mean, we've been asked this question before. There's nothing I'm going to say it's going to change anybody's mind. And honestly, I don't care to at this point i time. He's not another name anymore. But there's a reason. There's a reason that coaches that Miami that there's a reason. Mauro Cristobal hired, tried to hire him two different times. There's a reason Nick Saban hired him. There's a reason NFL teams called him. You know the the guy's really smart. Now was he a finished product? No. But I think if you're a guy like Saban, you're thinking, boy, this guy's got some talent. If I can bring him in and harness that, then it's going to be good because it needs some harnessing. It it does. He needs some harnessing. But he's a really smart guy. That that you know when he's on his game is can really just do put work in on a defensive coordinator. I mean, he, he can, it just needed to be more consistent. That that's my issue, right? It's the consistency of it and some of the stubbornness of it a little bit too, uh, at times, but that's part of the learning process for a guy. who was 27 years old when he got hired as the offensive coordinator. It's, it's like, just turned 31, I believe. So yeah, yeah it's
2: kind of comes with it. All right. We got one from Rob Fidoff. Thank you, Rob. Ryan and Brian with, with so much experience and quarterback experience for 2023, who well, do you think coaching deficiencies may be masked similar to Jack Cohn in 2021 masking the quarterback deficiency development this year? Oh,
1: <sighs> I, I, I guess I, mean, are, I just we, don't accept the premise yeah. at this point in time, Rob. It's like, do you think the coaching deficiencies may be masked? I mean, I don't know that
2: there will be coaching deficiencies. I don't know that there won't be. I, I don't know. I, I just, it's I, the, I, I guess the question is, do you think that you can get an appropriate it? gauge on Jared Parker for the sure. talent? He's coming back. Is that what you're sure. asking? I guess. Yeah. Because
1: I mean. look, I remember watching Miami in 21 at 2001 and 2002, and you're thinking they're just winning on talent. I mean, you, you can see it, right? Um, it's why I've said in the past I don't love Clemson's offense, right? It's just like, and I I've said this before. Remember in uh, going into twenty twenty one, Ryan, I said, look, y'all, Clemson is not going to be the team that that they were. I I call I now, you know, they're still good, but I said they weren't going to be as good. Why? Because I said they won with Trevor Lawrence in spite of the coaching. You can see it. You can see how they play. You can see where it's like, dude, that was just a sick pass. Like, I don't know what the heck he's calling here. You're just their dudes are better than the other team's dudes. So you can see that. So it can mask, it can mask it maybe to I think the the um it's kind of I'm trying I don't know how to say this without sounding disrespectful, but like just fans and if you're just like, people that aren't like really doing deep dives into the team, it can certainly mask it. Certainly. But right. I mean, if you know football, you're going to break the film down and be like, dude, they're winning with smoke and mirrors right now. Or they're winning because the opponents aren't good. Or, you know, this this won't carry over. You, but you can also watch a team say, boy, these guys are coached really well. And, man, they're they're really working well together. I liked that call. I liked that game plan. They play with good fundamentals. They play physical. You can see those things. You can see those things. So is the talent such that they can mask the coaching? I guess I, I'd be willing to answer the question if if – if we were to say, let's just work with the assumption that the coaching is just solid but not great, can Notre Dame still have a really good offense next year? Yes, yes they can. Yes, they can. Especially if Jared Parker goes with more of a let's let's simplify things a little bit, make things a little you know we don't need a million plays, let's go with a half a million. <laughs> you know what I mean? Hypothetically, you know, obviously hyperbolically. Sure, it can, but it won't mask it all the way to the championship, right? It'll mask it to ten and 2, 11 and one potentially. We saw that in 2021, Ryan. That yeah. team was not an 11 and one team from a, how they were coached to play team. They were 11 and one because they just had better players than all but one of the teams they played last year in or in 2021. That's the reality of it, and so um, it'll mask it to a degree. But I also think that if the coaching is good, then the offense should be really good. That is one encouraging thing. We got a super chat here from Tails from
2: WVille. How does Notre Dame overcome this black eye? The basics of sales are always be closing. How could they let Ludwig get away? Ultimate vindication for Brian Kelly's messaging about lack of support, priori- prioritization of football. Well, see, the problem is, is that Notre
1: Dame is not going to do what they need to do to, to overcome the black eye. They're just going to try to lie their way out of it. I've, I've I, Somebody sent me something that somebody I respect is putting out, Now he's just saying what he's been told right? This is what they're telling me. Uh, and uh, Tim Priester put something out basically saying that the administration is going to come out with a thing to donors saying they were always going to pay the amount. I can tell you with certainty, that's not true. They're going to say, well, it's just miscommunication and, and Ludwig dragged his feet. It's just not true. And I, and I, I am incredibly confident in that. So then come out with all the releases they want. And guess what? Some people are going to believe it. I already, I've already, I've already seen people that I know and respect. are already believing it. It's just false. So they're just going to basically spend their way out of it. And you know what? It's going to work with a lot of people. Yeah. It's not with me and I don't care what anybody says. And, and Ryan, you know, where I got my information from and you know, it's good. And so I just don't really care what they do. And I've never really cared what they do and say, they've always tried to spend their way out of things like this. So how do they remove the, overcome the black eye? Be more organized. Put more quality people in control of situations. Do what you got to do. Spend the money you got to spend. Because here's my question at the end of the day. What is the championship worth to you? That's my question. What is a championship worth to you? So maybe if it's worth X amount to you that you do what you need to do in this regard to go give it. And that's it. So that's where you're at. And if you don't believe it, then Find another if you don't think that my reporting is accurate, that's cool. Find another channel to watch.
2: I don't care. I I, I just can't believe that, man. Like, if people don't like the content or agree or like think that whatever, just go find another channel. Find (laughs) another channel. I'm good, I'm very
1: comfortable, very comfortable by standing by what I reported. And if you don't believe it, I really don't care. I mean, you're entitled to it. I got no ill will toward you. Go find another channel. That's yeah. going to tell you what, here's the deal. Do you want to be told the truth or do you want to be told what you want to hear? If you want to get told the truth, you want to get objective, honest reporting, and you don't want to have stuff spun to you, then this is where you need I'm not saying every other channel is not that way. I'm just saying there are channels like that. Go watch those shows. I don't care because we're going to keep spitting truth here, right? And we, have, and we have a lot of great people in the community yeah. that we can rely on. That's so. right. Yeah. So look, like at the end of the day... I, it, it, I, there are things in the past where I've reported, say, you know, I got some new information. And I think this is the truth. Everything I'm being told now, it's, I, it's like, I know who I talked to, right. And I know where it came from and I'm very confident in what we reported. That was also reported by other competent people. Then the spin came and now they're trying to blame Andy Ludwig right and so at first it was the buyout and then this now it's andy luck now it's andy ludwig's fault right it's his agent's fault it's all spin it's all spin so there you go and if you don't want to believe it that's cool just go somewhere else i'm good with that i really am I, i'm very comfortable with that i've always been very comfortable with that
2: all right, so I let's start, get to. This. I, I stopped worrying about followers a couple of years ago. So. <laughs> Good call. Yeah, Benjamin Karchi with a question here. Does it help Coach Parker that our first couple games can help players understand the offense before we get to teams like Ohio State? Yeah, I mean, Benjamin, we talked about this a couple questions ago, right? I, I think that there is very. That's a great start to the season for kind of that acclimatization, that transitional period. It's because, again, Coach Parker has not called a football game in a couple of years at this point. Right. I mean, to begin with just the process of calling a football game. So getting back into that flow, because that's the biggest thing about calling a football game in general, no matter what level you're at. It's about a feel thing, man. It's about repetition. It's about the flow. Right. Like you need those types of things. So I think it's big for Coach Parker. I also think it's big for the offense in general, because you have a new starting quarterback, potentially you have an offense that is going to be relatively the same, but there's going to be some different wrinkles thrown in there, obviously with a new coach. So I think that that transitional period playing against a couple inferior opponents to begin the season is big time. Cause then you're going to hit that stretch of, you know, Ohio state and Clemson and USC. And I mean, there's a lot of games in a very tight confine of weeks. So yeah, I think that that transitional period to begin with is very beneficial to the staff, potentially.
1: Yeah. I, I, I just want to read this Super Chat from Chief Brody because this is exactly where – this is exactly right. Hey, thank you for the Super Chat, Chief Brody. It seems convenient they let the news breathe for a few days so all the fans could get riled up only for the real story to come out. Get real, man. Yeah, like they're going to send a letter to donors and all this other stuff like uh, several days after the fact. Like, come on, man. It's nothing, it's nothing more than CYA and trying to protect yourself. That's all it is. That's all it is. Yeah. But you know why they do it, Ryan? Because they know people will believe it. That's exactly and, why and they pe- do
2: it. People will click on it too yep. on the media side of
1: things. Yep. So. <laughs> yep. Well, I mean, like the the story that I'm referring to earlier, who who reported it earlier and said Tim Priester put something out. He's just this is what I'm being told. Here it is. I'm I'm sure. fine with that. I'm fine yeah. with that. He's right. not making something up. It's just no. what he's being told. Exactly. Nor is he yeah. saying the people that reported the opposite are full of crap and lying. He's not saying that this is what they're saying. This is their side of the story. That's totally fine. And Tim is a, Tim is a reporter. He's been doing this a long time. He's, he's got to put that out in my opinion, because that's their statement. We do things differently here. That's fine. It's not better, not worse. It's just different. And we're more analysis than we are. Let's present the both sides of every story. There's not always two sides to a story. There's two stories per side, you know, and there's two stories in this conversation. But there's only one truth. Like, it's people say, well, that's my truth. Well, that's not a thing. Like, it, there's there's the truth, right? And it either happened this way or it didn't happen that way. And you can spin it however you want. It's just it's what it is. That's really where it is. Let's get to Brandon Plensner with a super with a question here.
2: Question is how can the move of Jared Parker to OC possibly impact 2024 offensive recruiting positively? How can they get impact talent to buy into an offense coordinator offense they haven't seen? Well, they do that all the time. Yes. You know? Yeah. I mean, They're I mean, do, that's do that where it time. is. I mean, it's Brandon. I, I think that one thing. That is, go, it's going to be interesting to watch offensive uh, offensive side of the ball from recruiting perspective because there is going to be a perception at first, but at the end of the day, most recruits are drawn to relationships. That's a big thing. So the relationships with Coach Parker that maybe they already had intact, maybe the relationships they had with Coach Gauduply when he was you know working back into the Wisconsin you know side of things. Maybe it's a little bit of extra help at first with Marcus Freeman over top. All those things I think can help to ease the transition a little bit because it is a wait and see a little bit. It is because I think there's going to be some offensive recruits as well that want to see the product on the field. They're going to want to see it, and I understand that. I get it. I would want to see the product too, but at the end of the day, I think you have enough resources to figure it out, soften the blow, and continue moving forward and gaining momentum. Yep,
1: absolutely. Absolutely have a super chat here from Tyler Smith he said it's time to hire Tim Brown as OC assistant uh he's being funny there obviously yeah Tim Brown's got plenty of plenty of things to do plenty of things to do man <laughs> it so, would be nice to see him, besides besides him on the side of that, that would you know. be pretty cool yeah. that'd be yeah. pretty cool that'd be a lot of fun
2: um 99 problems of BK ain't one could Marcus Freeman hire someone like Justin Fry by offering him an assistant head coach, run game coordinator, maybe co-oc an offensive line coach? I thought I heard a while ago that he wanted to be an offensive coordinator. That won't be at OSU. Sorry I had to drop
1: out real quick and yell You're at dead. my dogs to stop barking. <laughs> Look, he could do that. I just don't know if that's where I'd want to go. I, I this is more. So I'll say this: this is more. Personal preference, Ryan, here. For me, I like an offensive line coach that just wants to coach the offensive line, right? And and, and run game. I don't I don't want a guy that necessarily needs control or um needs to be the his, you know, who who has it's not that I care if a guy has aspirations. It's just kind of like when I hire you as an offensive lineman coach, I just want you to coach the offensive line. That's it, right. And that's kind of where I'm at and so I think Justin Fry has much greater aspirations than to be just an offensive line coach and that's totally fine totally fine but I just don't know if paying him what you need to have to pay him is worth it like there is a level of some guys are worth paying and some aren't like there is that that, that reality I think to me Andy Andy Ludwig is worth it to me, Justin Fry, I, I just – I don't know that he is because I don't know if the fit's there. Like, you've already got Gino Badouli with his background and you got Jared Parker with his background. Now you want to bring in a guy who's, like, kind of co-OC, that kind of thing. That was kind of my issue a little bit with Bill Beddenball, Ryan, if you're going to bring him as an O-line coach. If you're going to bring him in, he has to be the OC, right? You, 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 there is the notion you can't have too many cooks in the kitchen, right? Like, yes. it does, some guys need – hey, you're just the receiver's coach. Now, you have a very important role as the receiver's coach, but not everybody can be a co-OC right and i think and i think that you bring in justin fry that'd be a little bit too much and i just I, like the titles that you're giving him though those are already ones he has at ohio state i'm pretty sure i he, i don't think he went to ohio state as just the offensive line coach if i'm if i remember correctly he had some bigger titles i, I think he's an at. associate head coach or something yeah. like that yeah we'll yeah it, i mean somebody see if uh somebody says something um See, Brandon Plesser said he's already the associated coach and run game coordinator. So, yeah, that wouldn't shock me at all. Makes sense. Wouldn't shock me at all.
0: Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. We do it doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13.
2: All right, here we go. TJ Stalica with a question. Here we go, TJ. Does losing Tommy Reese hurt Tyler Buckner's chances of starting even more? He was Tommy's guy. Well, no, because he wasn't Tommy. That only matters, TJ,
1: is if, if if he was Tommy's guy and Tommy liked him and the kid doesn't really actually have talent. You know who? He was a lot of people's guy coming out of high school. Yes. <laughs> he just signed with Notre Dame. So I don't, I don't think that's going to have any impact on him. I mean, look, again, he's got three years of eligibility left. So Sam Hartman has one. So Tyler Buckner, if he chooses to say so, has plenty of time to be a starting quarterback and be a very good starting quarterback at Notre Dame, maybe even be a championship quarterback. And I don't think I don't know of anything in in Gino Goodoy's background. Like if he can coach Tyler, if he can coach, look, here's the deal. If you can get Desmond Ritter to be a really good college quarterback, you can get Tyler Buckner to be a really good college quarterback. There's no doubt in my mind. So I, I don't think it hurts him at all. I don't know. Yeah. Now, it may hurt him from the standpoint of he doesn't have the relationship with the coach and he doesn't want to take that chance. That's fine. I mean, may, maybe that might be something to consider. You know, hey, I'm going to leave because I just I don't know you and, and I don't want to sit behind Sam because with Coach Reese, I knew that I was going to be that next guy with you. I don't know. I mean, maybe he feels he has to take that career move. I don't know that. I'm just saying the potential options, but I don't think that's going to be about hurting his chances. I think that just may be a risk that, you know, something he may decide to do. But I don't think it's a situation where it hurts his chances. Tyler Buckner is a very talented quarterback, and if he can stay healthy, he's going to have a chance to do some really good things at Notre Dame if he stays. There's no question
2: about it. And I think that I think that having a quarterback coach to just be the quarterback coach with Tyler Buckner could be huge too, Brian. I mean, honestly, because yeah. again, you know, Tommy Reese is the quarterback coach, but he also has to. Have his part in, you know, what are the offensive line doing? What are the wide receivers doing? What are the running backs doing? Game planning, practice plans, all that type of stuff. Having a quarterback coach that is just a quarterback coach, I think, is big for Tyler Buckner. I think it's big for Steve Angeli. I think it's big for Kenny Minchie on campus. Like the, mm-hmm. the depth of the quarterback room, I think, is going to be impacted big time for it. Yeah. Got another
1: question here from We Are Not Marshall.
2: Can the guard, uh, can the guard and the
1: G and G OC, oh, gotcha. Jared and gotcha. Gino.
2: <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Didn't catch that one. Can the Jared and Gino offensive coordinator room make up a big leap on that side of the ball to make Notre Dame a playoff contender in year one? I, I have no idea. And this is the thing I said yesterday. I'm, I'm willing to give Jared Parker every opportunity
1: to prove that he's that guy, but I don't know. I don't know that he's that guy. I believe that Notre Dame has the talent to make a playoff run next year. That's That that I know. And it's up to them to put the pieces in place to go do it, to to lead the group in a way that goes and does it. It's up to Coach Freeman to go hire the best offensive line coach he can. It's up for this staff to become one cohesive unit, take the talent they have, and charge forward. That's what it's going to take. That's what it's going to take. And so uh, can they do it? I honestly, I, I don't know. I know that Gino was part of an off of an offensive staff that went to a playoff the year before. Uh, Jared Parker's never been a part of of that. So, I mean, he's been a part of some good football teams, right? I mean, so, but never a, a championship team or anything like that. I mean, his, you know, 2019, the Penn State team that he was a part of, uh, you know, they went 11 and two that year. Uh, pretty good football team in 2019, if you remember. Um, lost to Minnesota by five when they were undefeated. They were cut to number four. They finished the year ranked 10th, beat Memphis in the Cotton Bowl, if you remember that year, beat Michigan, beat Iowa, beat Michigan State. You know, so he's he's been a part of, of some teams like that and, you know, but never like a championship team. But, and even if he was part of a championship team, he's never been the guy that necessarily led that championship run. So, you know, I, I honestly, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you. I just know that this team has the chant the t- the tools to do it, and it's That's up to the coaches point. to get it done. Yeah, yeah. but I, baseline, look, honestly, though. we are it's not baseline. Marshall. Like I could sit here and tell you, I've had conversations, and I now know for a fact that Jared Parker is good enough to lead this team to a to a national championship. It'd be spin. We've already established that I don't do that here. Do I think he's a very smart coach? Yes. Do I think he's a very good position coach? Yes. Do I know Do I know that the players respect him? Yes. Do we know that he grinds in the recruiting trail? Yes. Do I know that he has a philosophical system that I think can absolutely work here at high level? Yes. Can he put all those pieces together to be the leader, game planner, and play caller needed to be a championship team? I have no idea. I have no idea. We'll see. But there's times in the past I would have said, uh, that guy's not going to get the job done. Right. Like, well, what a huge blow for Clemson to lose Chad Morris, man. They're going to replace him with two young, inexperienced guys. I don't, man, I don't know about that. Then they went one, two championships together. I honestly don't know. But I know the roster, the offensive staff, offensive talent is such that this team should have a championship caliber offense next year. Will they do it? I do not know. But that's the expectation for me.
2: Ryan, anything different you want to add to that? No, I mean, it's just unforeseen. I mean, at the end of the day, you need the talent to get to that level. So, I mean, in a vacuum, are they talented enough to do it? Yes. Do I know if the coaching staff and talents will be cohesive to the point that I would bet on it? Also, no. Like, It's just – You're just in a situation where there's too much unknown. Again, unknown could be a good thing. You just mentioned an unknown. That was a good thing. The Clemson offensive co-offensive coordinator situation. That was an unknown. It turned out to be very good, but there's also unknown that doesn't go well. Right? So like, that's, I don't know. I don't know right now. I think the talent. I think the roster that Notre Dame has is very talented. I think they can contend for a playoff spot. I do. I do. Is, are they going to be good enough on both sides of the ball consistently to win a national championship? I don't know. So, so playoff contender, contend for a playoff spot. Yes, contend for a championship. I just don't know. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I need to see it before I go way too far that way. Are we going to attack the middle of the field more from Katie Keevers? Um, you know, again, that's an unknown. From based on
1: conversations I had, I mean, it's the stuff that they're telling me they're going to run. You have to attack the middle of the field to be successful with it. So. In theory, Katie, I would expect that to a degree. I, look, Tommy Reese is in, in past years. Like I thought they did a decent job attacking the middle of the field in 2021. At t- In 2020, they didn't. And in 2022, they didn't. In 2020, it made sense because Ian Book didn't like throwing over the middle of the field. He just was never comfortable throwing over the middle of the field. And Drew Pine, I don't think Tommy Reese was comfortable letting Drew Pine throw over the middle of the field. So I think there's been some quarterback limitations that kept Notre Dame from attacking the middle of the field more. And 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 then there were certain things you couldn't really do with Jack because Jack didn't have the arm strength to attack certain parts of the middle of the field. But they attacked it a lot more than than they did in previous years and, and this year. So I would imagine so, but that's just more in theory, Katie. I can't tell you for sure that they're going to. I just I have a feeling they're going to based on what what the talent like the the talent that they possess combined with the quarterbacks that they have, combined with the offense they say they're going to run it all leads to yeah they're gonna they're gonna attack inside the inside the numbers more uh to what degree i couldn't tell you i really don't know that's then that's gonna be part of the fun right of, of this next seven eight months ryan is just kind of learning learning who they are learning how they go about practice learning all the different things that they do those are aspects that i that i look forward to that's the fun part of doing this you know is is when you bring in new coaches and new players, like I, I can't wait to see what Sam Hartman looks like in a Notre Dame uniform. I can't wait to see what you know the next you know Tyler Buckner being healthy is. I can't wait to see Braylon James with that golden helmet on and Jaden Greathouse and you know see what see what Jared Parker's like is. see what the what's the demeanor of the offense like under Jared Parker? He's got a very different personality than Tom Reese. I'm not saying it's better, I'm not saying it's worse, it's just different. You know, do the players respond better to that? They respond to worse to that. Uh, do the offensive linemen respond better than new online coach, worse than new online coach? That's all part of the fun of covering teams when you have the kind of turnover that you get every year in college football. And this is the one of the things that I enjoy about it, to be honest with you. But it also leaves some uncertainties of, I don't know if they're going to attack the middle of the field more. I don't know if they're going to run this as much as they have in the past. We're going to find out.
2: And that's going to be the fun part of this whole thing. I'll say this, based upon Sam Hartman's history, Right. I, I I don't think that he will hesitate to throw the ball wherever he's told to throw the ball. Yeah. <laughs> he throws with a lot of vindications. So.
1: <sighs> Excuse me jimmy am mcgill I
2: bo- am i am i boring you
1: brian no i just I'm didn't just get a lot kidding. of sleep last couple <laughs> just just kidding. jimmy mcgill with a question
2: jimmy here. mcgill says do you see a benefit of having a quarterback coach who is focused solely on developing the quarterbacks rather than having to run an offense as well like reese had to yeah i mean i just talked about that a couple minutes ago i jimmy i think it could be incredibly beneficial if you have a really good quarterback coach that that's his pure emphasis we're talking about full development of the room at that point. You know, you're going to spend time with Sam Hartman, obviously, because he could potentially be the guy, but we're talking about guys like Tyler Buckner. We're talking about guys like Steve Angeli, like Kenny Minchie. I think that the quarterback development should have an uptick and it's no disrespect to coach Reese. It's just, The Gino Cadouli doesn't have to do as much, you know, help, you know, figuring out what the offensive line's doing, figure out what the run game's doing, doing all those types of things, managing the practice schedule, game planning. He's going to be able to focus solely on, well, not solely, but mostly on quarterback development and making that room better. So yeah, I think it can be very beneficial.
1: We are not, Marshall says, does a change at OC and potentially quarterback recharge the batteries for a player like Styles? I hope so. It's possible. Yeah, it's possible. hope so. Really, what it's going to come down to is just Lorenzo is going to have to say, you know what? I'm not happy with what I did last year. I'm better than that, and I'm going to go prove to everyone I'm better than that. That's really what, that's where the battery recharge comes from. I think anytime you have a turnover on your staff the way that they did, there's always a level of re-energizing that can happen Ryan because it's like hey this coach I was bearing the depth chart of this coach this coach seemed to love this guy or that guy but there's a new coach coming in and this is my chance to show him that I'm as good or I'm better or I'm clean, whatever clean yeah. slate clean yeah slate. there's always that's exactly. always a, a, something that kids uh, sometimes depending on the coach but that's always something that most kids will really get excited about when that's one of the positives to, to
2: coaching turnover from Bill Walsh, the Geno hire could be huge for quarterback development going forward. Agree. Also, tight ends and wide receivers should be good if they get an offensive line coach that can recruit and develop. This could be really good. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I mean, it, it could be. There's a the potential for it to be Bill. It's just again, you know, we have to see the finished product. We have to see how things trend. I mean, could it be? Yeah, it could be. It's That's like. What it um, can um, be honestly it's like bill i'm kind of almost like purposely
1: tamping down my excitement over it because it just uh, the way it'll appear you know it'll just appear like oh you know you're just you're just going along and this uh, you know i think this could be really good based on what we do know but at the end of the day that's all projection it's not i know it's going to work it's just projection so i'm trying to just not get too excited too early, Ryan. And just say, "Hey, let's let's wait till we get to the spring and see what it is." But yeah, I mean, look, when you start thinking about the talent on this team, Bill, you start getting excited, and you say, "Boy, you know," because there was there was question marks going into the next year on offense, no matter what, Ryan. Because it was like, can Tommy Reese make the changes he needs to make to take this offense to the next level? Those were always going to be questions that were there. There's always been uncertainty on the offense. It's just now it adds a different layer to where at least with Tommy Reese, you had a baseline of, at least I know he's going to do this. You know, now it's like, I don't know what the baseline is with this, but you also sure. kind of get excited. Like, well, okay. Now there are certain things that it, it no matter who it, whether it's Harry, he stands, Tommy Reese, Chip long, you know, Mike Dunbrock, whoever it's going to be, there's always going to be things that a coach does that you don't prefer. If you were that guy and that's how it was with Tommy and, and, and things that he did, and he believed in that I believed this way. He he was not much of an RPO guy. I'm more of an RPO guy. So there's always the thought of, okay, well, what's this guy going to be like? Is he going to be more in line with the things that I like? But it doesn't mean it's better or worse. It's just personal preference. So there's always that kind of energy and excitement. But, uh, you know, there's always going to be question marks from a coaching standpoint going into next year, even if everybody came back. Because this is an offense that was not very good for most of the year last year. You know, but we thought there was reasons for it and we think they're going to get better. And, and that it's just a different type of nervous energy now, but it doesn't change the fact that I really believe this team has the, the talent to be really good on offense. I always got to see it. Nicholas
2: Grosh with a question here, Ryan. Do we need some experienced analysts? If so, what about David Cutcliffe, Jim Trestle or Skip Holtz? Do you guys have any coaches in mind? Thank you, IB, for getting me through this latest soap opera.
1: Yeah. And that's exactly what it is. And, okay. and they're turning it into that. That's the thing. If they just would have said, you know what? Um, Quite clarification on how it went down, but yeah, you know, we, we didn't do what we needed to do and there you go. And you move on from it. Right. That's what it comes down to.
2: Yeah. So and, and yeah, any, any analysts that pop out to you? I know yeah. they mentioned, she mentioned Jane, David, David Cutcliffe. Cutcliffe. Is, honestly, cause yeah. here's the thing. David Cutcliffe
1: was, uh, Jared Parker worked for David Cutcliffe for two years. We know yep. that David Cutcliffe holds Notre Dame in high regard. Like that's one of the first phone calls I'd make if I was Jared Parker and, and Marcus Freeman. Because that's someone who can help Jared Parker with this transition into a leadership role. Is a guy like David Cutcliffe. Now I don't know what kind of relationship they had at Duke. I have no clue. But for me, I absolutely would. Jim Trestle is not going to be an analyst. I mean, he he's, no. That's... He is a mentor to Marcus Freeman in whatever capacity they have. Jim Trestle's not that guy. David Cutcliffe, Cutcliffe, I would look at for sure, and and there'd be others if you could. Skip Holtz, I don't, I don't know what Skip Holtz is up to these days, but um, you know, David Cutcliffe is certainly a guy that that I would so strongly look at. There's no question. I don't have guy Part of the reason I don't try to get guys in mind is because I know coaches that are good. But there's also a lot of coaches out there that would be good fits for that that could do a great job that I don't know. And if I start thinking about who I want and start vocalizing who I want and then they hire someone else, it creates this perception of, well, you wanted this guy, but they ended up hiring this guy. That's a disappointment. Yes. And so that's why I'm just, hey, look, let me see who they bring in and then I'll evaluate that guy. But one guy that I do feel confident saying now that I definitely would call as one of the analysts, because there's not just one, is David Cutcliffe and see what he's doing Like hey, it's not so much as an analyst. It's it's you can call him an analyst, whatever you want, but it's like, he is a, a mentor to these young coaches to kind of help them kind of take that next step as coaches. That's what I would, I would love to see him the role for him
2: and yes. be like I mean, an
1: off the field role,
2: that kind of thing. But yeah, that'd be and phenomenal. And ju- just having him, around the quarterback coaches and quarterbacks at times, you know, like just that man would just, Mm -hmm. there's just so much you can get out of just talking to David Cutcliffe, you know, just, just having a conversation with him. Yep.
1: Joe uh, with this one, I'll just read this one real quick. Ryan, Joe just uh, said, just want to say thank you for all the amazing content these last few, few crazy days and also for shooting it to us straight with no spin or presumptions. You spit facts and we're better for it. I appreciate that. I do. I do very much appreciate that. And look, we're always going to give you the truth and we'll give you what we know. There's no agendas. It's just, this is what it is. And I'm not saying others do. I'm just telling you what we do. I'm not focused on other people. I'm focused on what we do. And we're always going to give you the truth. We're not going to be a spin machine. We're not the mouthpiece of the university. We're not their support system. We're not here to make them look better. That's their job. And they all make a whole lot more money than we do to do that job. And so you will always have that. You will always have that promise from us and we're not going back down from when we, when we know, cause here's the thing, Ryan, you, you to do this job. Cause I, I want to make sure people understand that this is how we do things. When you are in a situation where you report something yeah. and, and facts come along or more information comes along or more data comes along, you have to be willing to say, Hey, This is what I first reported, but after talking to some good sources that I've listened to, I believe that there's more to it than what we were reporting earlier, right? And so we will do that, and we have done that in the past, and we'll always do that. The reason that we're not backing down from our original report is it would be very easy for us to say, look, we hammered Notre Dame for this, and come to find out this is actually what really happened. Pete Dammel got his information from Utah. That was Utah trying to do this, that, and the other thing. And you'd say, okay, um, look, this is, we went off and, 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 but reality is this will happen. I have no, no problem doing that. We've done that before, but that's not what happened here. When we responded, when we, when we had our show on, was it Monday night, it was not in response to Pete Dammel's article. When I saw Pete Dammel's article or tweet, I then started reaching out to all my sources and, and got a very consistent message of what happened. That didn't change for days. It still hasn't changed from those sources. Now, other people are reaching out, coming back and saying, well, I talked to so-and-so and they're saying that this is what really happened. If I found those things credible, I'd say, Hey, look, here's what's going on, but they're not credible. They reek of spin. That's what they reek of, because it doesn't make sense for it to have gone down the way that it went down, and then be reported that it was reported, and for my sources to tell me how things went, if that's actually what happened. You you get what I'm saying? So it, to do this job fair, even though we 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 view how we do things at Irish Breakdown differently, we still report news. And if we are given information that's wrong, I have no problem saying so. No problem saying so. And honestly, it would be better for me to do that. It would be better for us financially to be hype men for Notre Dame. That's the fact. It is a financially better thing for us to be hype men for Notre Dame. Flat out. Proven true. It would also be it would also be good for us financially if we were willing to say hey we were wrong when we're wrong and we will always do that but the end of this day is it needs to actually be new information that's actually correct and I'd have to defy logic and common sense to believe what they're telling me now and what they're t- or what they're telling people now and there's no evidence of it it's just we got crushed and so 2 3 days later we're coming out with stuff saying hey here's what really happened just a, it just defies logic it defies logic so it just um it that's why we that's not why we're not backing down from what we've said it defies logic and the way that it went about is just It doesn't make sense, and so we're not going to go with that. We're not going to jump on the on the bandwagon of, well, this is what really happened to make people happy. I'm not doing that because I know with great confidence that what you're getting now is a spun version of the events to make Notre Dame say to allow Notre Dame to say face. That's what's happening, and so we're not backing down from it. I don't, and I don't care what the repercussions are, Ryan. I really don't been there before and just, I don't care. Jacob Watson says, does the Ludwig backlash cause the admin to think how they handle things in the future? Since they tried to retract what they did and end up reoffering
2: him. I, I mean, does it, I mean, Jacob, I like to think that most people learn from their mistakes. Generally, not everyone is like that. That not, that's not always the truth. But I would like to think that the admin is going to understand that like, hey, this wasn't the best way to go about this, (laughs) right? Right. Like this is a bad look on our part, even though we're trying to retract and deflect and whatever other word you want to use. I like to think because I know Jack Swarbrick is a very smart guy. I know mm-hmm. that Ron Paulus is a really smart guy. I know that the admin mm. are smart people. Well, okay. I'm going to well, agree with you on the first one. I'm not going to agree with you on the second one. In theory, they're very smart people. So I would like Allegedly. to think that generally small sm- generally smart people learn from their mistakes. So I would hope that just based upon that fact, that the next time will look just a little different. Just a little different. Yeah. Here's a good question from R.G. R.J.G. Irving, Ryan. The question is, is a buyout designed as a disincentivize to poaching staff or to compensate for the disruption to the team and cost of replacing the coach? Yes, it is, the, both of those things. It, it's yeah. meant to, number
1: one, make it harder, maybe less likely, that a coach leaves, it, it limits the number of schools that could potentially come after a guy because not all schools have the ability to go pay $2.8 million to get Ryan, to get uh, Andy Ludwig. And and so that's part of it as well. It's also one of those things where if we're going to lose a guy, we're being taken care of because we now may yes. have to go buy someone out to bring someone in. you know, And so then maybe we don't have to buy. So if I'm getting a bigger buyout, knowing that it's – whoever I have to go buy out to replace this guy is probably not going to cost as much, then – you know, I'm, I'm protecting myself. So it, it's meant, it's meant to make it harder to poach a, a coach, but it's also meant to protect you and, and give you some financial, uh, you know, sort of a soft landing. If you do lose a coach that you now have the resources to go out there and, and, and pay for more if you need to, to get a guy that, re- that can replace that, the quality of that coach. So yes, uh, it, that's exactly what a buyout is. And look, props to Utah for having these bigger buyouts it explains why they have a lot of coaching continuity, Ryan, which is, which is something Kyle Whittingham needs yes. to be completely
2: honest with you. You do. I mean, just like when you hired me, I mean, I have a big buyout, so no one can steal me. Yeah, so. yeah exactly. <laughs> I almost had to sell my house to pay for you, Ryan. <laughs>
1: All right. John A1 with a question.
2: If you like the coach, uh, the O-line coach hire, which side of the ball are you more concerned about, offense or defense? defense so no question yeah
1: it it is for me because i know who's coaching the defense and i have concerns that's fair that's fair i have concerns about the d-line i have concerns about the defensive coordinator and linebackers coaching very much so i'm complete confidence in in mike mickens in every aspect and i have complete confidence in chris o'leary as a coach my only questions with chris o'leary come from recruiting but he's proven to be a pretty darn good position coach in my opinion in a very short period of time so uh, you know i i we Ryan, I think you've you've heard some good things about Max bulla. I've heard some good things about Max bulla. I think Sean davis yes. is, is is gonna talk about some things I, I I don't know if they talked about that in today's show uh so but max the end of the day max bull is a, a is a ga, right I mean my issue is more with the we said this last year the issue with the linebackers was more about the the volume of scheme that was put on their plate that just kept them from playing as fast as they need to play, those questions have not, those, those concerns have not gone away. And, you know, you hear things from the freshmen, you know, we had a story with Preston Zenter talking about how, you know, he was, he was going to be used uh, to, you know, they're learning all the positions and stuff like that. And it's like, it's just the same thing, you know, cross training already. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So. And uh,
2: early enrollee freshman is cross training in in the winter.
1: (laughs) You know? and, And so. Those are questions I have more, and I have more questions about the personnel on defense uh, to a degree as well. And and Ryan, you know, I've said this before. We've we've said I've said for years, especially recent years. There's been plenty of years in their name where the the offense had more talent than the defense. The defense was just coached way better. And now I think. You know that's certainly true now at, at most positions, but like I have a lot more confidence in the talent of the offensive line than the defensive line. Partly because the offensive line has more proven talent, more proven production. Yeah, there's a lot of I hopes on defense. I hope Riley Mills breaks out. I hope Jordan Patelho breaks out. I hope Josh Burnham takes a big jump. I hope Tyson Ford can kind of get himself going. I hope that you know that that Javante Jean Baptiste can can step in and be a really good player. I hope J B Bertrand. Is best. I hope Maris fl- figures it out. I hope that they can find a way to make you know get Jack Kaiser in more good situations for him, and and where he can really thrive and put him in better spots. I hope they have good health at safety because if they don't, they're going to be in trouble. Yeah. So there's a lot of my hopes there. With on offense, it's like I know these guys are talented, and I know that if they just do things that we've already seen them do, like with Lorenzo Styles, I don't need Lorenzo Styles to do anything this year that I haven't already seen him do in another Notre Dame uniform. I've seen him to do it consistently that's it. And so, you know, that's, that's really where you're at. That's what I mm-hmm. need to see. So yeah, as long as the coaching staff hires are made, I, I'm, I'm going to be more concerned about the defense. Right. It's fair. Just, yeah. All right. We did, we did have a couple super chats here. Uh, the Spaniard said, thank you very much for this. Jack yelled at me about yesterday's finger gun comment. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for that. And then Tyler Smith said, "How's Max Bulla, the guy we took uh, from Alabama?" Heard a lot of good things about him. Yeah, you know he was a really good linebacker in college, despite not being overly athletic. I mean, he really wasn't a very athletic player, which is why he went undrafted. He was a three-time All Big Ten player and went undrafted. Yeah, you know, I think that should tell you everything you need to know about his athletic ability. But he was still a very good college football player. Smart.
2: Smart. Player. Yeah.
1: Three. Yeah. I mean, do I know he's a good linebackers coach? I don't, I don't know that, but I've heard good things. He was, he was a GA for three years at, with Nick Saban in Alabama. If he was not, did not show promise. I, you know, with Nick Saban, I, I guarantee you he would not have lasted three years with Nick Saban. If he didn't show some promise as a coach. And the other thing too is there's a level of confidence here because coach Freeman did work with him at Cincinnati. And, and let's yeah. be honest about this. Part of the concern people have about Jared Parker, in my opinion, is it's the perception that he is Freeman's guy. And we saw what happened with Brian Kelly when he would bring in his guys. And it didn't go well a lot of times. Not always. I mean, Mike Elson was one of his guys, and Mike Elson did fine. You know, Mike Denbrock was one of his guys, and Mike Denbrock did a very good job at Notre Dame. The difference here, however, is most of Marcus Freeman's guys that he has on staff have been home runs. Mike Mickens, home run, who he worked with in the past. Uh, Brian Mason, home run. Chad Bowden, home run. Most of the guys that Marcus Freeman has brought with him from that he's worked with on a coaching standpoint have been pretty good. The exception is Al Washington. Now we'll see if Al Washington can step up in year two, and I hope that he does. But you know, those are good. That's a good hit rate. So when you look at Geno and, and, and bringing him in, Coach Goduli bringing him in, the fact that he did work with Coach Parker. You, oh, I'm sorry. I think Co- Jared Parker was a home run in his first year as a tight ends coach. right? So in that role that he was originally hired for, he did very well, in my opinion, despite dealing with injuries all year. Yeah. So, so far, his track record of bringing coaches he's worked with before is pretty good. And so I think that gives me a little bit of optimism as well. And and Max Bullitt is one of those guys. Max Bullitt was a GA on the, was it the 2019 Cincinnati team? So Coach Freeman has worked hand in hand with him before. And so I think that's another reason why I, I give a little bit of uh, um, benefit of the doubt to that hire being a good one, because, and what we're told is he will be coaching the linebackers as the position coach next year, even though he's a GA. But that's not my issue. My issue is the scheme aspect of it. That's that's my greater concern, right? I don't know if you feel the same way, but that's that's my
2: greater concern at the position. Yeah, I mean, I also have just. Cons- I mean, it's it starts from the top down for me defensively. That's where it is, right? I mean, we. I mean, there was even some positions last year, Brian, where we're just like, a younger player can't do better than this. Like, they can't do better than this, you know? And I'm just like, right. I also think there's a little bit of a. Stuck in your way type of vibe defensively as well, which combining all that is just there's too many question marks for me right now, which is why my impulse was immediately defense, even with some questions as far as what the what the offensive play calling and development and all that type (laughs) of stuff is going to be. You know, right? It's
1: so you're saying, Ryan, it's it's the it's the um, it's a combination of we have seen this defensive staff not do what we we think it needs to do, and there's some questions in some spots about the talent. Whereas offensively, it's like the unknown almost helps them because we don't <laughs> have that negative thing with Cause, them. because so we're focused, be right? Yeah. So we're focusing more on the talent, and the talent's pretty good. Yeah, I think that's fair. Is that yes. kind of? Am I reading what you said correctly that way, Ryan? Yep. That's I think exactly that's very right. fair. I think yep. that's very fair. And then we'll kind of wrap up here with Jacob Watson. So Jacob, this is where we're going to kind of end things today. So why don't we we get this one here?
2: Jacob says, do you guys know if Jared Parker is the type of coach that will play the best player and not the most experienced player? I
1: can only offer a guess. That That's the thing for me. I can only offer a guess. And my guess would be yes, because and it, the guess comes from the things we talked about earlier about how they're going to be more details oriented. They're going to be more about fundamentals, maybe less volume. Those things all lead to younger players having a greater opportunity to come in and find early success because there's less for them to have to do mentally and and technically and those kind of things. And the less volume you can put on a younger player, I don't care how smart a younger player is, the better he's going to be. So I would assume yes, but with a lot of these things, Jacob, we don't really know until we see it. Right. So we're going to do our best to give you uh, educated guesses on certain things. And until we actually see it, I, I don't really know, but, but based on what we have been told, I feel good about that direction so yeah
2: let's hope let's hope
1: yep so that's going to do it for today's show everybody i appreciate you very much we will we're the, brad centers asked if there'll be a tailgate for the blue gold game depends on the weather so we'll, we'll, we'll let you know as we get closer and closer to that we'd like to have one but it's not a guarantee we had one last year uh it was, it was fun but uh it just depends on what the weather's like so uh we'll, we'll we'll have a much better idea as we get into kind of mid-april on what we're going to do there for that one so hey folks Hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast, give us a five-star review. We would greatly appreciate that if you're listening via podcast app. And, of course, sign up for the boards at boards.archbreakdown.com. Thank you all so very much. Have a great rest of your day. Uh, We'll drop Ryan's show tonight, the draft show tonight. Also getting ready to edit and publish a a show here soon on the CFP Nation channel. And, of course, we will be back. So I was not originally going to be on the show on Friday. Because uh, we were going to do a mailbag today and then do something different tomorrow, but they can- they canceled the Notre Dame player availability for tomorrow because of I mean because I mean it makes sense to do so uh, with everything going on. So uh, we will do we will I'll actually be here tomorrow for the mailbag. So we'll have our mailbag tomorrow and then uh, our TCF show on Saturday with Sean and I. So have a great day, everybody! Thank you all so much for joining us on the Irish Breakdown podcast. <laughs>